Hello and welcome to the Taking Social Talk podcast. My name is Andy. I'm Heather. And this is episode nine. This week we do have a topic that's kind of in your face. Before we get to that, it's an important day, I guess. Today's been less important than I thought it would be, but it is November 4th, the day after the elections. At this time of the recording, we don't know who the president is. We have a good idea who will be president, but it looks like tomorrow might be the important day. Yeah. Me and Heather were lucky enough to vote early. We voted over the weekend. If you listen to a prior episode, that was my first presidential election yeah. voting. What'd you think? <laughs> uh, the line was long. Yeah. That's why I thought even voting on Saturday, voting early, it was an hour and a half away. Yeah. But because we voted early, that gave you time to do something on the election day yesterday. Yep. Yeah, I got to volunteer with a nonprofit. It's a nonpartisan nonprofit, uh, Protect the Vote, Election Protection, that ensures that everybody's voices get heard on election day. So I got there about six o'clock. The polling site where I was was not the same one where you and I went, but the line was already about a quarter mile long. I'm being conservative with that. And I found out the person who was first in line got there. Somebody said like 3.30 or 4 a.m. So people were really into voting this year, which is good. And the line just, it was so long for much of the time I was there. My main theme that kind of emerged was making sure that people who needed curbside ballot service got it. So people who maybe they're elderly or they had a disability or for some other reason they couldn't stand, they couldn't physically stand in line or be in line for an extended period of time, their voice still needed to be heard. I realize that there's still so much work to do for people to understand their basic rights when it comes to exercising their voice and for people to understand what others' basic rights are. So I'm currently taking an, a sign language class that also I got to infuse that to make sure somebody knew their rights. I did a terrible job of it, but we got the job done using those skills. So just accessibility, it, it reminded me of we have a far way to go around that. Well, I mean, I guess if you think about it, when we went on Saturday, there was no one there that we saw doing what your organization that you're working with was. And did you say who the group was? Yes. Uh, election Protection, Protect the Vote. So that nonprofit. Yeah, I didn't see anyone necessarily doing that at the polling site we were at. So it's definitely a way it could be expanded because there was no benches for anyone who, if anyone needed to take a break. And I didn't see any curbside voting going on. I don't know if that's a thing for early ballots, but when you have lines that are an hour and a half long, definitely could be important. So let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. Unless you had anything else about no. the elections. All right. So we'll know more. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, yeah, it's a, we, it's an we know what's going week, on. But yeah. yeah. Instead, I had a magazine that came to me from Fortune or Fortune magazine. Yeah. Don't know why it's coming in. I was going to throw it away and you decided you wanted to take a peek at it. Yeah. And you found something that you want to talk about, Heather? Yeah. I rooted in the trash to get the back, get it back. And I found a good article. It's called Plastic Surgery Sees a Zoom Boom. It is, uh, we'll link it. It's a really short article, but it talks about how more people are working from home, connecting with coworkers and other people through Zoom or other video platforms. They're having to see themselves a lot more. And that is increasing an in interest or receptiveness to plastic surgery. I don't know about you, but you've been doing, you know, video meetings for a long time. For me, this is new with the pandemic. And I find myself staring at my own video feed most mm -hmm. of the time. So I definitely see where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. 
paying attention to the speaker, trying to stay focused, but my eyes are continually drawn to me in the lower right corner. Is that something you still find yourself doing, having done this far more than I do? Yeah. I mean, so with election, I am feeling pretty exhausted today. And I didn't realize until I was in meetings pretty much all day today. And I caught myself in one of those meetings and I was like, wow, I look super tired. I didn't realize how bad I looked until I saw it there. And it was kind of hard to look away after that. It's a little bit like a (laughs) wreck, right? Like a train wreck. But yeah, I do that. I, But again, like you said, I've been used to this for so long now working remotely. I work with people from different parts of the country. So it's become a norm. So I think I have tuned a lot of it out. But yeah, there are some days where you catch yourself and you're like, whoa, I look like that. (laughs) (laughs) I know for me, my business, we, we didn't use video meetings. It's become very important. We do it to meet with internal people, external people, everyone. And when I was reading through your article, obviously the first thing I'm thinking is these are mostly Botox, injections, mm-hmm. facial different treatments that you don't normally think as being treatments that men seek out as often. Mm-hmm. So they're not things that I've ever considered. There are things that they can do for hair, but that's the one thing I think most guys and myself, when I'm watching the video feed, I was like, man, my hair looks a lot thinner on the video. Part of that is I'm not styling it the same way I would if I'm going to work. My routines are messed up. Diet's probably not as good. I'm not getting as much exercise. So I wear hats. I mean, it's an easy fix because most of my meetings aren't with external and I can wear a hat. Mm -hmm. When I do have to meet with more upper management or external people, I will take the time to do my normal routines. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a different environment. Meeting with people face to face, I feel more confident than I do meeting on camera. Yeah. So I think that's a part of it too. And of course, you don't know how you look to the other person. (laughs) So you're probably already over it during the physical meetings, but you can be meeting with someone on a, a video chat and you're still seeing yourself the whole time. You're like, man, I made a weird face. <laughs> yes, yes. The One of the things that they talk about here is they're, they're citing a survey and it's through the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. They did, well, they had a third party. I looked into this. They had a third party marketing research firm do a national probability survey. So it's the probability sample is intended to be representative of what would this actually look like if we surveyed everybody? What are the results? Mm-hmm. And they surveyed a little more than a thousand people. It was like 757 were women, 260 were men between ages 18 and 70 to ask them how receptive would they be to plastic surgery? And people were very open to it. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like something where no judgment, like I, I wouldn't say never say never to anything like that. And I think, now that people are having to to see themselves, people are also over critiquing critiquing themselves as well. But it's kind of hard not to when you're staring at yourself all the time. True. It's one of those businesses. What I was thinking of with this article is not something I would have thought mm-hmm. to be a growth market during the pandemic. It makes sense mm-hmm. whenever you think about it logically, like we've discussed, you're staring at yourself all day. It also makes sense just from other uh, businesses that I had been looking at whenever we started the pandemic. I didn't like the way my camera looked. I have an eight-year-old work laptop and I also do some other things. So I bought a new webcam. I got lighting, things like this to improve my video quality. But it was extremely hard to find the lighting and the cameras that are the best ones in the market because everyone's doing the same thing. Makes sense. They're doing that not just because 
they want a better camera. They're trying to improve their appearance. They're doing more video meetings. So if you looked a little step past that, you would have thought, okay, yeah, anything to do with the face is probably a hot market. I'm curious to see how this plays out more so because I think people are also using more time at home, working from home, as looking into like, what might they have wanted before, but didn't feel like they had the time to do? Now they do. I mean, they might still be working from home, but they are insulated. They, you know, if you do get work done, you don't necessarily, you can have a meeting off camera for a few days if you need to. Oh, my Um, camera's broke, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Or just saying like, no, you don't want to see this while I'm healing up. Um, But I think, so it's not only about the facial kind of things. There were, I think it was like a, where this might go. And people were asked, what would they be most interested in? But it's like Botox, breast augmentation, soft tissue fillers, liposuction, abdominoplasty. I'm probably not saying that right. Yeah, who knows? Sure, yeah. I'm going to assume that's something to uh, reduce your your belly fat or something. It would seem that way, but I don't know. I didn't look into that. But um, I think it's, it's people... A mental shift uh, around how maybe people are thinking about procedures. So kind of my, I don't know, like, what do you, do you think it's vain or what do you think about that for people who are doing this? Well, to me, I don't know that it's a shift in mentality or acceptance of the idea of plastic surgery. When I think of it, I'm more thinking of people who work in marketing roles, things like that, who their outward appearance is important. Also job seekers. I was immediately thinking of this because you always want to set your best foot forward. People will have a lot more confidence, I think, in personal meetings, like I've said. But whenever you're doing these video conferences, you may not like your parents as much. You can do as much as you want, um, but you're going to be more self-conscious because you're seeing yourself the whole time. So I think people in roles that are forward-facing and job seekers, you don't get to ex- demonstrate as much personality in mm-hmm. a video conference. So I think people are putting more importance on their face And if they're not getting the job because the job market is extremely tough, maybe it's my face. But marketing professionals I work with, their image is a large part of it. I work with both sides, internal and external marketers. And dressing well, being well put together, fresh haircuts, those are things that are important. So I think they're going to be more attracted to this. And now they have the time because a lot of marketing roles require a lot of traveling, a lot of client interaction. Like you're saying, you don't have time to heal the bruising, or just the the recovery time that you need for your plastic surgery. So I think it's more they have the time and resource to do it now versus more people being interested in it. I don't think they're getting a lot of clients who are like, oh, you know, I'd never thought about it before. I think it's more people who had thought about it, just it was low on the list. Yeah, I think it goes deeper than what you're talking about. Like I think about, okay, so myself as a woman in her 30s, and uh, social work, social worker, right? Like that kind of background where I'm not, it, we'll use what you use as an example of marketing. That wouldn't be my day-to-day, my primary focus to the level that you were saying. But I would say this, I think it, I think a lot more people are going to be interested. And once it becomes more normal, people talk about it. I'm I'm curious to see like how, I think plenty of doctors are going to take advantage of people and make them play on that to make them feel more insecure. But others, like somebody in the article, I think it was a dermatologist had said, um, they're trying to, they didn't say this, but I think trying to be ethical to, to push people to be like, 
hey, you are scrutinizing yourself a lot more because you're seeing yourself a lot more than you typically should. So kind of cool it. When I read that line, I thought, yeah, right. That's baloney. Because <laughs> most of the stuff that people go in for, the the superficial things like lip fillers, things like that, you don't need it. They serve that industry and Botox, things like this. Those are not needed procedures, generally speaking. There may be edge cases. But they're happy to sell you a $1,700 eye filler yeah, because that's their business. And no shame to that. But you kind of got to accept like, you're in the business of selling people an aesthetic they want. You hear all the crazy stories of the ones, these people who get obsessed with it and make themselves look like Barbie or, you know, they go very far with mm-hmm. pursuing this image and thousands or hundreds of surgeries. I don't know if anyone's gotten to thousands. And some no one along the way stepped in and said, no, they just said, okay, you yeah. got the check. Again, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a plastic surgeon and serving something people want. It's a... It's not a need for most cases. It's a want, and that's fine. Like, I don't need to drink a Coca-Cola. Actually bad for me. But it's not wrong for Coca-Cola to sell it to me if, I, if I'm demanding it. Yeah. That's how our economy works. Here's, so, go ahead. The way that I would, like, for me, my, I agree with you. Like, I'm not, I think it goes deeper than what you think of. Like, you're, you're thinking of marketing people. I think they're a lot more, quote, everyday people, people who are not in roles that are what people would think require fresh haircuts and shiny faces are I think a lot more people are going to be interested in that I would say for myself I I'm not opposed to having work done one day right now as of today I'm like no I don't think I'd want to do that but like never say never I don't know how I'm going to feel in 10 15 20 30 years but my kind of litmus would be Am I doing it for me because it's going to make me feel better? So my hope is that's what a lot of people are doing. It. I don't know the reasons behind why people are making the choice. And do we have the income to support that? Because it's also very expensive. It's expensive. Not as expensive as I thought. But you're kind of my exact case. I'm saying more marketing people are going to actually act on it right now. Or people, by uh, marketing, I'm more saying external facing members of a company or organization. Mm-hmm. People whose appearance is part of their role, yeah. whether it should be or not. But you're one of the cases that I also mean, you would consider it. Yeah. People who would consider it, I think this gives them more opportunity and resource as far as time to do it. Yeah. People who had never considered it before, I don't think are now going, yeah, I'm one of those 46. I think that 46% is just people who are like, yeah, I would consider it. Yeah. Right time, right place. And also the way the question kind of read, at least in the article was more... Would you ever consider plastic surgery? Well, I mean. Yeah. Like how were the questions posed? That's what I couldn't. And I I didn't expect to find. But like what. How were the questions posed? And it's. In the survey. It's put together by. Oh. The. Who? I. uh, The American Society for Plastic Surgeons. Yes. Obviously, it's going to be geared to whoever they hire is going to give them the answers they want. So they can say, hey, look, research says people want plastic surgery. Because they want to say people want plastic surgery. Yeah. I'd like to know more of the demographics too, the breakdown of like we know they talk to a lot more women than men, but what were the um what were the income levels, what were the racial backgrounds, what were the ages? All those things would be interesting to to learn more. I'm not that interested to dig further into it, but those are the, the things we don't know. Sure, you want to know how good the data is. Yeah. And I think Again, there's no wish, no problem. If you want plastic surgery, no. get it. 
Do I think that the demand was higher at the beginning of the pandemic? 100%. One of the things I noticed when looking into the topic was there were a lot of articles more like July through August, and then they've tapered off. This mm-hmm. article is kind of late to the to the game about this boom. But it was a summer survey, so yeah. But I think that's the thing is similar to whenever you start podcasting or doing anything where you have to hear yourself or see yourself, at first it's very weird, but then you get very used to it kind of like how you've been doing Zoom meetings and video conferencing for a long time. You're no, more used yeah. to it. You're not staring at yourself as much as You're I like, do. You're like, oh, I look bad today. Okay, let's move on. Well, not even that. It's <laughs> just, it's now part of your normal routine. Yeah. Where it's still a little foreign to people who don't do it every single day. I do it a couple times a week as part of my work. Same thing as whenever you're doing any kind of video where you're hearing your voice. At first, you're like, I don't sound like that. That sounds terrible. Then you get used to it. <laughs> I mean, of course, we've we've taken time to try to improve the audio quality of the podcast. So we're more happy with the way we sound, but it's also we just hear ourselves more now. You just accept it. Exactly. <laughs> so I think the demand is probably declining. It did bring up something that I've been very curious about, and that is how many of these companies and businesses that have surged because of COVID are adequately planning for the resumption of normal business for them. It's a common problem you see with businesses is, and when I was in business school, we had to do different practice scenarios and you have to be able to account for like, if you have a boom, how are you planning for the decline? Mm -hmm. Because that's where a lot of companies sink themselves is they're like, everything's going great. Let's get bigger offices. Let's get nice chairs. Let's do all this stuff. Let's spend money, spend money, spend money because you have to spend money, make money, which is 100% true. But what do you do whenever the seasonality, which is what you'd call it, the spike in business, goes away. Companies that work in seasonal businesses become very good at it. Uh, Think of like tourism in Maine. Mm -hmm. Not very popular in the winter, popular in the spring and fall. They know how to survive the ebbs and flows. Companies like Zoom, who were on a decent trajectory for a long time, and then the pandemic hit and they just spiked Mm -hmm. out the roof. Are they going to know how to operate? Are they, or did they overbloat whenever maybe people return to the office or when com- they've had a lot of competition spring up when their competitors and bigger tech companies start chomping into their market share. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's where I'm curious. And I think... it's a good question. I think in some ways we're starting to see the tech, I wouldn't call it crash, but rationalization. Tech stocks did very well at the beginning of the pandemic. Then they start saying, hey, maybe things aren't as awesome as they were in the first first couple quarters of the year. And they're setting realistic expectations. They are still doing great, but they're being more realistic. Uh, yeah, I think the the plastic surgery industry isn't going anywhere. But no. yeah, I've no it's and it's also plastic surgeons do plenty of wonderful things if people are burned or disfigured or whatever, right? Like, and they do great things to make people feel better about themselves. Oh, you're right, Heather. Of course, they do great things, important things. The thing that immediately pops to my mind is a kid who's been scarred as a child, giving them the opportunity to feel more accepted mm-hmm. in their their peer groups. So is there anything else about this article that drew your attention or uh, do you have any tips for Zoom meetings? Try to ignore yourself. <laughs> you, you can make it where you can't see yourself. But uh, no, not, I think one of the things that was, was discussed and I agree with, I don't know how well many doctors are doing communicating this with their clients or potential clients, but just be realistic. Like our, nobody's face is perfect. You could anybody, even if they're 
you know, kind of like a 10 out of 10 of conventional beauty, they're going to find something that they view as a flaw if they look at themselves long enough. So, but I am interested to see just like when, when something becomes more discussed, more talked about, more of a norm, how people adapt to it. That that's something I used to look at plastic surgery as something that was vain and superficial. And I did judge people for it as I've gotten older and just had more experiences as well. It's a combo platter of that. I think that I'm like, no, like do what, do what you do to make you, that's going to make you feel happy. I, I hope that people are critiquing themselves to see if they make that choice. Is it truly for them? Cause it's going to make them feel better or is it because they feel pressured externally? Certainly. I think the perception both of us have growing up in the 90s is more extreme on plastic surgery as far as yeah. the way it was presented is like even this article going under the knife. A lot of procedures nowadays, there's no knife or very minimal invasion. Uh, you can do a lot of different things surface level. So I think it's definitely become more acceptable for most people because it seems less extreme. Mm-hmm. And I There think was a show. It was like... It was kind of like, you remember that show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Mm-hmm. They had one for people. And <laughs> I think it was called like Ugly Duckling or Ugly Swan or something like that. But I remember watching it. The before and after, quite different. But I, I think it was, it's so invasive and they had so much work done that it seemed really jarring. Yeah. And I think as you get older, you start to realize that do what makes you happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're not harming other people, you have the means to. There's nothing wrong with seeking a little happiness. I think one thing you like to talk about is self-care. And I think it yeah. it can fall into that camp. If it's if it's dragging down your day every time you look at the video conference, you know, that's going to have impacts on a lot more facets of your day. If mm-hmm. you're being drugged down by something that you have the means to and you want to fix, yeah. that's not a negative. No. And not even fix, change. Yeah, How's I know. I was, that? I did cringe inside when you said that, but I thought, uh, okay. I do think part of being home in this pandemic, whether your workplace still quarantines you, being home more, I haven't found that I get more sleep. I'm not getting more rest. I think in reality, my general health, it's worse on your health to be home all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're, you're going to, um, see things you don't like more bags under your eyes yeah. because even though you're home all the time it's i find it tougher to get as much sleep to get myself to get the proper sleep yeah yeah it seems uh i guess is a paradox is that the right word but it seems to be confusing like you're home a lot more and i know at the beginning of the pandemic and i don't hear it so much as now but people are like i'm gonna get all this stuff and i'm gonna read more i'm gonna do this and it's like well I mean, for if people did have a change in their their work schedule, okay, but nothing's really changed for me in terms of timing available and stuff. And if anything, it's I yeah having a routine of leaving the house, preparing, being truly in a routine. I think that helps with things like you said, exercise, healthy eating, sleeping well. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that people in high times of stress are and seeing themselves a lot more and routines being disrupted and just it's very it's chronically stressful that they're looking for things that they think might they might be able to get a kind of a quick ish fix on when you were mentioning that like all these things you thought you'd get done during the pandemic yeah i have so many things that i thought i was gonna do like some single player board games i was like i'm gonna finally play these haven't touched a single one 
we both just over the last two weeks finally got around to home projects that yeah. we've been meaning to do for me, maybe longer than yours, but painting the kitchen and building something out on the patio. Finally got done and we've been home for eight months. Yeah. It's like, where did the time go? Seven months. Whatever. Yeah, we don't maybe. even know. Yeah. But no, I mean, overall, I think that's that's the biggie. I just thought it was interesting. I hadn't thought of potential correlation between plastic surgery and Zoom. Totally makes sense. Thought it was interesting. And I am curious to see how, how it continues. One thing they mentioned in there, and this is probably an industry, people wanted them to come to their homes to do the procedures and they're like no 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 at least one person no 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 come to our office because they want to be able to control COVID exposure for their employees that seems like definitely a market that's going to grow is this mobile cosmetic surgery or not even surgery but cosmetic procedure business i bet mobile businesses in that space definitely are growing because the technology is getting there where they can do more of this stuff remotely yeah oh that makes me think that show that i like on uh netflix I think it's called Sunset Strip. It's the Realtors. <laughs> and they were, I really like that show, but they were doing an open house. And I believe it was in Beverly Hills or a really affluent area of Los Angeles area. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do this open house and we're going to offer free Botox because to get the clientele that we want, this is going to be a draw for them to come in. I thought that's, wow, that's pretty cool. To me, I mean, they're usually selling like million dollar plus yeah, homes, right? Yes. I mean, or multi-million. Yes. I would think that if you're spending that kind of money on a home, you're like, I don't want the free Botox. I want my Botox person. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know the quality. I don't know. It seemed it seemed like a legit setup that people were in, excited to see. Yeah. Not our life. <laughs> Not our life. <laughs> but I think that'll do it this week. Unless you had anything else. Mm-mm. All right, Heather, thank you. This has been episode nine of the Taking Social Stock podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at takingsocialstock at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.